The Everything Sequel Podcast is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and Brew Bar. Everything Sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Blade Edition. We're talking Blade Trinity today. Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, as always, your friend and mine, the vampire hunter himself, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hello, Tom. What? You amateurs are supposed to be helping me? You? Look at you. Your kids. You're not ready to roll with this. I mean, look at the way you're dressed. What? That's supposed to be tactical? What is this? What is that? Fuck you? It's a joke, huh? What the fuck is wrong with y'all? Y'all think this is a joke? You think this is a fucking sitcom? Could not have put it better myself. That that is a, a... So much to unpack. movie review. <laughs> exactly. I don't see how anyone could not agree with that. Wesley Snipes stops to review the characters yeah. in the movie he's in. I also, I also, and Parker Posey does it later on in the movie as well. She tells everyone to stop saying "dick" so much. Yeah, which is one of which was my exactly my note <laughs> seconds earlier. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, what'd you say I, yesterday? I, Two fucks and a dick in in eleven right. words. Yeah, oh. when a movie is giving itself notes, you feel like something <laughs> has come apart at the seams, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It it really is. I hope that some of these are improvs as well, and and it was just you know because from 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 that's what one I've of heard, my notes. Uh, How much of this movie what, is improved? Because Wes, Wesley Snipes did not have a good time on this movie. Right. Famously. Famously, he was a pain in the ass on this movie. And allegedly... But now I'm kind of on his tried, side. <laughs> well, allegedly he tried to strangle David S. Yeah. Goyer, right? That's the sort of the folklore. I don't know if that's been confirmed by either side. Right. But lines like that make me think that, that he, he the actors it. had... A, the act, well, the actors had a lot of rage. They had to. They had to sort of... <laughs> Like find some way to communicate, right? To expel. It's so one thing. This... It's one thing to go up to a director and say, "Look, these lines, not great lines. Maybe we can do a little something." But when the director is the writer as well, yeah, right. You probably feel stuck. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> everyone in this movie feels stuck. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I have nothing, nothing else to I have say. Nothing more to add. All right. Nothing well, more to say. Uh, obviously, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about Blade Trinity, uh, the last movie in the Blade series for now. Uh, Pre reboot. Yeah. yeah. That is definitely going to be a reboot, though, I'm sure. Absolutely. Mm. This movie has 25% on Rotten Tomatoes. Which feels high, <laughs> and it's directed by. Yeah, well, it, but but uh, 
Yeah, if it, it, it's it's high, but that's a, that's less than half than Blade Two got. Yeah. So that's that's, that's on in par. the right that's in the right ballpark, but it's it's way too high. <laughs> I would be talking, you know, just making double digits if that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's directed by da- David S. Goyer, who we've mentioned before. Now, the only other movies I think he's directed are The Invisible and The Unborn. But as we said, he's got his his paws all over everything in the yeah. writing ca- category. The Dark Knight series, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Terminator Dark Fate, Jumper. Okay. You know, this this movie... This movie is a reason not to trust him with the Batman series. And yet oh, they did. Absolutely. Or a reason that he could only do the Batman series. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you might be Marvel right. Marvel probably didn't want shit to do with him after this. <laughs> That's my theory. That he that he would, you know, he just walked out of the office saying, fine, if you don't want this kind of stuff, I'll take it to DC. <laughs> <laughs> and destroy their credibility with it. Um, yeah, that's it, great. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, it is, it is strange to have this kind of, this kind of failure on your hands so early on in your, well, directorial career. I don't know if you can call it that, but right. Um. And sort of because this movie be, is just be, a year before Batman yeah. Begins, right? And then being trusted with some of the biggest properties in right. in Hollywood franchise cinema. That's really remarkable, and it's funny because as maligned as this movie is, and as it should be, mm. on a budget of sixty five million, you know, it didn't do much in the USA. Opening weekend sixteen point one did not make its money back. In the USA, 52.4, which is usually the mark of, you're not going to make these movies anymore. Mm. But in the world, it did make $131.9 million. So, you know, it doubled its budget. Hmm. Yeah. But critically, I mean, critically. Critically, it just, you know. Get, took yeah. a beating. I, again, I you know that's we've talked this about this before. That if, if the sequ- if the prior sequel is is good and has a good reputation, mm-hmm. that can save the box office of 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 the next one. You know, mm-hmm. the real test would have been if they made another movie. How right, exactly. Fed, and you know there was, they were circling another movie. From what I understand, Wesley Snipes wanted to do another one. They had ideas for crossovers. Well, could finish off David S. Goya. Yeah. <laughs> After his first attempted murder. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, from what I understand, there was there were talks to do a, an underworld kind of crossover. Well, I, I, I kind of, they're definitely responding to, to underworld here, I think. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're responding to, uh, to certainly that that trend of action cinema. Yes, I think so. That doesn't surprise me at all. It feels like more like one of those movies than it does a Blade movie. And you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well. Yeah, uh, 
which would have I still thought been of on that. at this time. Or is it has it still been on at this time or 2004? It's, sure it's wrapping up. I mean, it's, if it, it is, it's, if it is it's towards the end. I want to um, say maybe it ended around 2005, but I don't I could yeah. be very wrong. But that's very super it's all very superficially employed. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, cuz it, it's it's sort of interesting to, you know, like my first note is like the Marvel logo. <laughs> right. Uh and it's like 2 years after the last movie and we've already shifted how we're branding movies that come from Marvel comics. We've already Right. Already decided that's going to be our marquee for the movie, um, which I think is is fascinating given everything that's happened since. Where, you know that that logo has just become uh, its own film, really. Yeah. Like every Marvel movie now begins with like a like a two minute version of that of that logo. Yeah. Um, and every Marvel movie has what's going on in other Marvel movies. I was surprised to see it so early. Built into it. Yeah. A version of it, you know? Right. And you see, can see, I think, I I think part of the, part of the, albeit doomed project of this movie is to start, is just to start building the, um, the language of the Marvel cinematic universe. Yeah. In a very, again, in a very superficial and ultimately unsuccessful way. Right. But just, just the, you know, they're trying, they're, they're just like, what does, what does a Marvel movie look like? Like, if you build it from the ground up, there's a well, lot of Well, and it's kind of movie. because the first two movies were not connected to Marvel. Right. It feels like a hanger on. Yeah. So yeah, it feels. I mean, it, 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 and in so many, you know, Marvel ways, really it, doesn't start building until we get the first Iron Man. Right. It's it's I mean in many As ways. As we know it, it today. Like, yeah. It feels like a blade blade adjacent movie. Yeah. Um it it feels like you could be doing this with pretty much any of the Marvel characters, this story. Mm-hmm. Um And the idea of like you've got you've got Blade and you try and upstage him with Dracula is just weird. Yeah, I know. It's a really Especially when you're calling choice. him Drake. And when he's played by a someone who looks like a boy band reject. A not good actor. He looks like a boy band reject or a failed pro wrestler. <laughs> I'll tell you what and he looks wear- like. And he's wearing a he's wearing a corset for the majority of the movie. Yeah, also. what he looks like is an Ed Hardy reject that would probably bathe in Drakkar Noir. Right, it, it it's like it's just yeah, you know. it's one of this movie's many staggering choices. Yes. But but it, you know it com- it comes out of the gate shitting on, shitting on prior Dracula. Movies, yeah, right. Which if you're doing under a the guise movie, of under the guise of, um, lack of comedic timing, Ryan Reynolds. Right, you know it. it critics say, oh, it's it's always some. You know, it's always a couple of English guys, you know, making reference to Christopher Lee in the Hammer Cycle. I assume. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know, that's your, that's what you're tapping into here. So why are you shitting on right. it? Right. Like in the first ten seconds of the movie. But I'm also thinking, uh, like, 
Dracula, really? Yeah, that's it's, that's I mean, one it, of my know, notes. If you go if if you go on Netflix, the description, you know, helpfully or unhelpfully, if if for some reason it's it's going to be a nice surprise to you that Dracula's in the movie, it says <laughs> you know they blade combines with new allies to find to you know to to fight the ultimate foe, Dracula, and. Even when the movie started, I was like, that's got to be a mistake. I mean, these Netflix descriptions are very loose. Yeah. They can't really... I was like, they can't really mean Dracula. Yeah, that's that... They're just, they're just using Dracula as a kind of umbrella term. Well, what, yeah, when I Surely. hear Ryan Reynolds say the word Dracula, my note is, we're not really doing Dracula, are we? Yeah. And he, so so when the, so I, I'm, I'm both thinking, we're really doing Dracula, and you're doing Dracula, why are you shitting on Dracula? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, what's this movie? What what's this movie's position on Dracula? Right. And because because it, it it's clearly mixed feelings towards the idea. I mean, mi- that's the that's the weird thing about this movie, and the thing that is most curious and interesting about about it, given that it's a complete and total failure, mm-hmm. is that this it feels like a movie that's fighting against itself sometimes oh completely like it decides to do something it feels like it's dragging itself into directions that it doesn't itself want to go it decides to do something and then criticizes itself for doing it. right yeah it's like it's 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 just like insecure self self self-loathing movie Mm -hmm. Um, and that's the only thing you can grab onto is something interesting and curious about it because everything else fails yeah um, but it's interesting, like the the Marvel the Marvel thing, the Marvel logo up front is interesting because it immediately feels like a prototypical Marvel movie. It begins in the daytime right. with helicopters in the desert. Right. And like how many Marvel move Marvel Avengers movies begin this exactly? Way? Um, and then you're seeing so alre- already already there's a brand new style that's evolving here. Yeah. One of my notes is, are there non-pyramid pyramids in Syria? Interesting. That matte painting? Right. Well, also... And then we get Disco... We get Disco Dracula? Stroke... Well, so... Well, first of all, we we get a series... You know, we start with a series of bad choices. Like, we don't know who these people are, but they give the sun the, the finger. So I'm like, okay, that, that, that means they're vampires. Yeah. It's probably a more nuanced way of telling us that, but <laughs> I suppose it's clear. Um, strobe lighting, mm-hmm. lots of CGI, and then, uh, like, the first appearance of Dracula or Drake, who looks just like Skeletor from Masses of the yeah, Universe, he does. as far as I could. Uh, <laughs> I wrote Disco Vampire Night. Yeah, I was like, this movie got hammy very quickly. So quickly. And the drop-off in di- uh, directorial skill is evident. It is clear. If you're starting with strobe lighting, where have you got to go? Stylistically, right? But the mo- but the moment, like the key moment, where I knew this was this was David S. Goya's first film or one of his first films, was as soon as we saw time lapse photography. Mm-hmm. That was it. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, this is exactly the kind of flash in the pan cinematic trick that an early career correct- director does. <laughs> They literally, it's like, they can't just do it. They don't have the confidence to just do a transition. Yeah. 
they have to go, oh, hey, there's this trick I saw. There's this photographic trick I saw where you can speed everything up over time. Let's use that. Like every time we do a transition, it's like, you don't know what you're doing. Right. Yes. A transition, just do a scene, tra- any kind of scene transition is fine. You need to have the confidence to do that as a director. Right. Just go, yeah. The scene's starting, the scene's ending. That's it. Well, and you also, you know, like I, like I said in the last episode, we have two cold opens. <laughs> except but, the, the well, second cold yeah, open well. for this one, we add the credit sequence instead of... Yeah, you know, doing like a blade, like in the last movie, we we have a cold open, then we have Blade explains the last movie, Imbass, right. voiceover, followed by another cold open. This one, he's just sort of mashing it all together. Right, and I think li- like linking together the title sequence and and a cold open, uh, it ruins both of them. Yeah, exactly. It makes right, it impossible for both of them to be good. Um, but I got to tell, I mean, you know, I, I said that there was something televisual about the opening of Blade 2. This feels <laughs> televisual, but like a sports promo. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, if Blade, if Blade was an athlete, yes. this is what this feels like. I, I half expected his stats to appear on the screen next it to It feels exactly like that. It feels, <laughs> it, it, you know, you know, those sort of Sunday morning football stories about big hits yes. about big hits you know that's right. what it feels like yeah, yeah. and before we know, realize again, that all of those hits give us brain damage and yeah. and it can end up killing you yeah and um, and then again you know we we got the schlock factor is is, is on high we've got we've got skulls flying towards the screen yeah. there's a flying man on fire I mean, <laughs> you know, almost naked gun levels of ridiculous, mm-hmm. of, you know, ridiculous violence, you know, <laughs> it's, it's all, it, this movie comes in hot, so hot. And uh, then this movie announces its ineptitude, as we've already stated quickly, but yeah. everything that we've talked about already compares very little to I mean you wouldn't know this because you haven't watched the first movie yet but in that first movie he's like sitting outside of a bar uh-huh. and he's with the uh you know the the main heroine mm-hmm. and he's sort sort of explaining vampires to her and he's saying things like so that guy's a vampire he's a vampire and this one over here's a vampire and she says how can you tell? And he says something like, you know, this is because of the way they smell, because of the way mm. they move. And yet in this movie, he's faked out by 99 cent store vampire teeth. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I. And it immediately just makes him irrelevant as a character almost. Well, I, I had the note here, and this is a note for Del Toro as well. Someone should tell the directors of these movies that, that when everything turns turns out to be a fake out, it ruins the legitimacy of what you're seeing. Right. <laughs> I mean, you talked about it in relation to Blade 2, like a seven-minute action sequence that is all a complete misunderstanding. Yeah, exactly. And they're doing the, pulling the same shit, you know, when it's all revealed to be part of a setup. Mm-hmm. It's like... Well, so that so, Parker so Posey can have all her, of what you've just, her, yeah. her video cam? Yeah, all, all of what you've just showed me is, is, uh, is now... Null know, and void. 
null and void. But David S., it made me, it reminded me, I mean, it's, it's, this is the first time he's done this, but it reminded me of when David S., uh, in the similar scene in The Dark Knight, you know, where you, you believe that there's a legitimate car chase, you know, there's a legitimate car chase going on with the Joker. Right. And then it's revealed that it, it's a setup. It's and all then you part get of the a resurrection plan. Of Gary Old, yeah, it's all part of the plan. And I'm just like, it's like, why do they think this is a good, like, a good narrative idea? Like, why? Like, it it just <laughs> it just de it just delegitimizes what we've seen. It's well, almost and, like and it... it's it's almost like you know you you're sort of like. Oh, we're only kidding. Right. It's like, yeah, but you were kidding for 20 minutes and I believed in the stakes of this. And now and not just I that, don't expect but like anything how to much could stakes. I mean, I'm speaking more specifically of Batman now, but how much could go wrong? <laughs> Your plan is to just cause havoc for 20 minutes and then get caught. Yeah. But you know, yeah. Batman flips over a truck in that scene. Right. Yeah. It's that, like, you know, I guess, I guess that's where Goyer and Nolan kind of dovetail. I guess they in like that movie, they're, they're trading on the fact that Batman says he won't kill people. But when you flip over a truck, you're taking people's <laughs> lives into their, into your hands. Right. They, they like to write in tricksy ways, but it, it's be, you know, it's sort of, it's, it's deception for its own sake. It doesn't right. serve the, the ongoing story of the movie. Um, and as you say, it's a. It's something of a it's it's a real portrayal of what of the world we've established. Yeah. Um because yeah, he gets conned by the easiest disguise that you could think of. <laughs> right. Um He's supposed to be also, better than that, is my you know, it's all I'm saying. He's supposed to be, yeah. Um and we you know, uh, speaking of fake outs, the movie sort of strongly suggests to us that we're going to get another Whistler Blade buddy comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is the extent of it in this scene, really. Yeah. This and one more scene, and that's it. Uh, All there so is the is him saying. The movie's lying to us on lots of levels. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. <laughs> so we get him back home after this car chase, and now. So, but it's funny because my complaint in the last movie is you have no sense that there's a world outside of just vampires hunting each other. In this movie, you finally get a world. Like, the cops are coming, you know, you see newspapers, you know, yeah. you see them walking in the streets, you see that, like, cops are after him now. And you see him arguing with Whistler about it. Whistler saying, hey, we don't do that. You're, you're just killing people now? And, and he says, bah, you know. Went bad, like, don't care, don't give a shit. But Whistler's... Yeah. <laughs> Whistler's complaints are immediately followed by him shooting cops. Right. Well, yeah, they, uh, that I mean, the, they make the cops the villains of the piece very quickly, right? Yeah. I think, just, again, just for the sake of inversion, just for the sake of Blade getting a new, different enemy... Mm -hmm. That it becomes the cops for a while, um, before it becomes Dracula. You know that <laughs> natural progression in a storyline. Um, also, 
if if you're if you're a a legitimately old man with knee mm-hmm. problems, yeah, why would you hook up say seven to eight independently need to blow up computers? <laughs> How about just well, hit one switch and they all blow up? But you know we we still need the, this. Uh, I had this note as well. That this is this is another one of those kind of. Uh, analog digital transition movies yeah yeah that where you it's like where you see a hot you see like a, a digital video hard drive right. and you think i don't know maybe they don't have the capabilities to put it all on one computer yet <laughs> it's difficult it's difficult to say we have it's like we've broken the ipod barrier yeah but but we're still but we're, we're still, still dealing a little with, bit of a limbo with cassette tapes yeah uh and um which and MP3s as well, I mentioned. Right. Um, so it's so so we're kind of like we're sort of riding the lot. We've we've begun a new phase of technology, but it's in its it's in its infancy. Yeah, because at one point you see Whistler's daughter with like the huge kind of iPod with the giant wheel on it. <laughs> yeah, in lieu of a personality, she makes pay- playlists. Yes, exactly. All right. Well. Uh... Once again, a good start. Why don't we stop here and then we'll we'll come back? Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then we'll we'll get to we'll get to Dracula. Yeah. We'll get to the Dracula part of this movie. Boy, will we. All right. Because the guy the guy we saw at the beginning of the movie is Dracula. <laughs> Not Skeletal. Disco Disco Vampire. That was night. my first guess. <laughs> we'll be right back, everybody. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing the last Blade movie, Blade Trinity, for better or worse, directed by David David S. Goyer. I'm gonna say worse. <laughs> so yeah, well, I mean he he wrote the last one. He wrote all of them. Right. Okay. Well, yeah. I, I obviously I don't I can't speak for Blade, but Blade Two was a competent script in many ways. Yeah. Not perfect. But but solid and workmanlike, and this is like this acts as if that quality is a bad thing in a script, right? 
It's like, now I get to direct, I get to let loose from all these restrictions, like, <laughs> structure, and, act, and dramatic act breaks. And yeah, right. Like, like, Common sense. <laughs> and so... Maybe he... Yeah, I mean, Well, it's just right about now, because we've already had, in voiceover, a dose of Ryan Reynolds, and Blade for whatever reason, just allows him to see. Blade, by the way, in this series, Blade gets caught a lot. Yeah. He's constantly getting caught. Uh-huh. Just seems yeah, weird for I such mean, a capable uh... day-walking vampire. <laughs> but... Well, he's he's sort of, yeah, it's like a... I guess that the formula is like staying cool-headed... In crisis. That's what it seems like. He, yeah, exactly. And then how how is he gonna escape? Is the sort of pleasure. But yeah, if he was as good as everyone says he is, he wouldn't get caught as much as he did. I would have to say so. But he just allows himself to get caught by the cops, who also announce themselves. I think as the FBI, right? James Remar. Yeah. Weird. Anyway. Did did you? I don't. You watch this on Netflix, right? Yeah. Did the scenes in the police? Uh, the interrogation room looked very cheap. Like, I don't know if Netflix got a bad copy of this movie, but it looked to me like, you know those movies from the early 2000s? No, that, I think like, this whole movie looks cheap. Okay, well, but, but for some reason in those scenes, I was like, this looks like uh, like a dogma movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, one of those that Lars von Trier or Thomas Vinterberg, like, you know, filmed entirely on DV. Yeah, right. With, with no crew. Um, and I'm thinking, that's probably not the look they're going for. Uh, See, it's hard it to tell with, with Mr. Goyer. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, so, yeah, did you, you, so when, when Whistler, you know, I forgot about this. When Whistler blows up, did you believe mm -hmm. it? <laughs> well, so... <laughs> So this is this is a good question because because I couldn't remember if he actually died. <laughs> well, clearly, I mean, but it also it makes you so. You kill off a legacy character, that was resurrected right. in the last movie and was killed in the first movie. Is it worth resurrecting them? I mean, obviously it is because you get more Chris Christopherson, yeah. but. Beyond that, there's no. But to kill him again, to to kill to kill him again after sort of, and so early too. Establish after establishing him as the co-lead of the movie. It yeah exactly, and it just feels um, it feels disrespectful to say it. This movie's too old. We need the Scooby Gang to make this series yeah. relevant now, and they do the exact opposite. Yeah. For the series itself and render it anything but relevant. Also, how much was that 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 other scene with Whistler, where uh, with him and Blade in the in the Blade Cave? How much is that just a scene from Dark Knight? Rises? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I thought he was gonna start cry. I thought Whistler was gonna start crying. <laughs> it was so. It was. It was. It was like it was like Goya just changed the name. I won't bury you, Master in, Blade. And then handed in the scene, you know, for Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Um, 
Because, yeah, that's it. They turn him, basically, his role in this movie is like a hick Alfred. Right. Um, and uh, that's that's and then he gets blown up uh, after putting his uh, we see him put his ring on. Right. Or no, we see. Is he looking at his ring? I forget. I have a note here that says the ring. Yeah. So I remember it's the last movie, isn't it? When he licks his finger and gets the ring back on. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the significance of it's a ring in the first movie? It's just his wedding ring, it's right? It's just his wedding ring. I I I seem to remember him. Right. Say, what I remember is him saying that. I can't. Maybe he's explaining to the woman. I don't know, but like he he's. I remember him saying his family was dead, so it's very strange to have a, you know a daughter show up in this movie. But that I mean, but they obviously show him. I don't know what he is looking at the ring or whatever. He, the, I've got the note here, so he must look at. He must make a point of the ring at some point. That in their head, that makes it easier for us to take the fact that his his daughter's going to turn up later in the movie. I guess, but when, but, but what you're saying is that ring means his family's dead. Yeah. So it should make it less. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it should make well, it and, less easy for us to take. The other thing is, because it's like don't remind us of the ring, right, at all. Because and you know, the thing that that strikes me as hollow about this movie is these are some of the first grown-up roles for Jessica Biel and Ryan Reynolds. Mm. Like it feels like this was supposed to be their coming-out party, where they got buff for a role and did a lot of training. To her credit, I read something about she broke a three hundred thousand dollar camera. Mm. Because the director told her to aim her arrow directly at the camera's lens, and it was covered by a plexiglass except for a small square. And she was so good with her bow and arrow at this point that from 50 feet, she thought she shot it right through that hole and into the camera lens. We're not. We're not getting. Uh, we're not getting any any evidence that <laughs> our original assumption about David S. Boyer <laughs> no. is that's almost that's up there with the the you know the BTS story <laughs> about Harold Ram about Harold Ramis looking into the wrong end of the camera on when he was directing Caddyshack right. on his first day. <laughs> I mean aim it right at the camera, everyone's everyone around him's like, uh Turn that thing around. Y- yeah. Genius. <laughs> it's covered in plexiglass. Yeah, okay, but <laughs> let's just let's just surely someone must have been like I was like let's let's just avoid aiming things at cameras just just generally <laughs> because you know we kind of need those to film the movie <laughs> it, yeah it's well was she I mean her entrance is great like if if they are built on she has such a badass entrance to the movie and it gave me like a, a like a moment of. I thought because I basically thought at that point if the baby had been real this movie's over. Right. Like yeah. if this is a real baby this movie's done. <laughs> and the fact that it turned out to be a fake baby which which in my head was like that's what I would have done yeah. with this. I was like and then she has you know a decent action moment. I was like that's a great entrance. Although with I mean, too nothing... much slow motion. Well, I'm going to aside from but, that as well, aside from that, and aside from the terrible 
the train goes past and she disappears, which I just don't want to see again in any movie. <laughs> and again, speaks to uh, Goya's inexperience as a director. But at that point, I'm sort of thinking, okay, we can build on this. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good action heroine entrance. Yeah. Let's build on that. The movie does nothing to build no. on that. It puts her and in the back seat, have, literally. And then we have a real baby later in the movie. <laughs> right. So it just shows that this is just a prelude Learn no lessons. to having a real Learned baby. Learn no lessons. Learn no lessons, <laughs> yeah. and in fact, un- unlearns <laughs> its own lesson. <laughs> and then, and then they're like, "Ah, oh, God, a real baby's not enough. We got to have a kid as well." Yeah. It's it's like David David S. Goyer. It's like how many sentimental shortcuts do you need in one movie? <laughs> um. So. I mean. It's interesting that, like, uh, it's, uh, in this early portion of the movie, we get two two of the cast members of Best in Show. So this was my next. Oh, oh, oh no, we're not just all of the Christopher Guest mockumentaries. Yeah, exactly. But that was one of the things I was going to ask you was about. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about John Michael Higgins, right? And his showing up in this movie, like, kind of doing his thing, but. Not really, because he's also no. being malevolent. Well, I mean, it's you. You watch them. You watch both. But it's it's one of the problems with this movie is tone. Well, you you watch both him and Parker Posey, and you think they're giving it their all. Yeah, but they're not quite. They're not quite right. They shouldn't be here. No, Parker Posey to me um, fits better than he does. Yeah. But she's she's sort of she's sort of working. I don't know. Is is that? I feel like we've said this before about Parker Posey. She's sort of working against against some of her strengths, yeah. and so is John John Michael Higgins. But well, when we did the watch along, watch no, uh, when we when we finally caught up and did Superman Returns, yeah, we kept saying you have this great actor. She'd be a great Lois yeah. Lane, you know. I think she'd also be a great Dracula. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Get Dominic Purcell the fuck out of there. And this movie gives us no reason to think that Dracula can't be a woman. Right. Because Dracula can be fucking anything. anything. Um, No mist, no wolves, but people change? Yeah, probably. Well, that's it, yeah. (laughs) Um, So, again, I think, like, there's a better role for her in this movie. Um... But I thought it was just it was just weird they had that had this psychiatrist figure in mm-hmm. who's sort of making fun of the sort of vampire sex analogy to Blade's face. Right. And again I'm thinking But like also right in Why are you shitting on the vampire genre? <laughs> like this is your bread and butter. You've given yourself over to them. Right. <laughs> like what is it's like it's like it's like oh you know it's all vampirism is just like you know everyone just does it as a sex you know it's just vicarious sexuality expressed through vampirism. It's like yeah that's what these movies are about. You're one of these yeah, movies. You, you, Stop telling you're us not in the to middle watch you. of one of the movies. Oh, and it's just oh, and the fact that you know Parker Posey ends up just going full dominatrix mm-hmm. makes me think that well. 
Yeah, but your metaphor, you have a sexual metaphor in this movie to do with vampirism. Sure. So why would you point out how, you know, contrived it is before you right. actually do it? Again, talking it's talking itself out and into, out of and into what it wants to do. Like constantly. It's a weird script. Um, And again, you know, it's like we find out someone we didn't think was a familiar is a familiar. Yeah. I mean... It's tiresome. Tiresome game to keep playing. And then, you know, and, and then you fuck John Michael Higgins' character, basically. Because yeah. all he is now is like an is an evil henchman. Right. So he doesn't even need to be a psychiatrist. It's, you know, he could be anything. Well, and they're uh, going to kill him ten minutes later anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's true. So, do you know... You started talking about Ryan Reynolds, and I interrupted you, but... Um, they, so he he fires through the window and they go, Hannibal King! Yeah, I know. <laughs> so you assume that he's is, known. Like from the first is, movie. Yeah, would he be, do you think he'd be, no, uh, do you know if he's known to the comic book readers or he's a character outside, like a Marvel Universe character? Don't know. Or who, no. But this movie certainly thinks you'll recognize the name. This movie seems to think that Hannibal King is Deadpool. Like, that's what they make it seem like. He's a jokester from the start, you know? Um, Also... And then we have possibly the weirdest moment in the movie, to me. Which one? Where, well, Wesley Wesley Snipes breaks out of his chains. Yes. King Kong style. Roars and has a giant boner. And, like, now, my question to you is, is his ability to be erect ever, is, is, is the, like, his power, his, the powerfulness of his erection ever mentioned before? No. In the, in the Blade series. Okay, so this is straight up race, you add that to the Kong roaring, that's just straight up racism right? Then, right? <laughs> I mean, it's like, but, but why? And how did... Anyone let this happen in 2004? It's hard to say. <laughs> and is it a joke? Is it like... That's the thing is like... He's he's woken up so he's got a boner? Is that... Well, I mean, what... Also, you know... Do you think it was a mistake? The of this is it's very racist, but the intent... But I don't even know what the intention was supposed to be. Do you think it could have been a mistake? Not because... Well, it's right... It's, like, in my face. Yeah, but could it... The tip uh, is on the edge of my nose. Like, was he hiding a weapon? And I don't mean that. <laughs> no, I know. I, mean, I mean, that's it. I kept expecting there to be some sort of follow-up, but it was just like, there's Wesley Snipes' penis, which is apparently erect. <laughs> Fuck. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's like... And, you know... Uh, for no, now, no, nowhere has his sexual prowess been discussed in the movies I've seen of the Blade series. No. So, um, but I also started asking myself other questions, like, how did the Scooby Gang get into a government building? Yeah, so easily. And also, what you Scoob, you 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 say Scooby Gang, and that's a good description. I've got it down here because of David S. Gorey. I think there's a Robin and Batgirl vibe. Yeah, as well. that's true. 
uh, especially as as uh, Abigail is Whistler's daughter, mm-hmm. and given that they've established Whistler as Alfred, <laughs> um, and yeah, it's like a again, it's like a brand brand new team of allies, yeah, for every movie, which is, I guess, it works depending on the allies. <laughs> sure, um, but here, you know, it, it, it's. You and you've got an imbass of you know it's someone's relative. Yeah, right. Big imbass. So it's a it's a it's a relative. But it, it you know it it has that thing. It has that sort of beneath the planet of the apes thing where you're you have a surrogate to replace a person who's in the movie. You had him and decided to blow him up at about and, minute and continues twelve. Continues to be in the movie and continues to be in the yeah, movie. Yeah, even after he dies. You're right. Dracula shenanigans. <laughs> Um, what, so, <laughs> so both the, the, one of the big problems I have with the, with both the team of villains and the team of allies is that they look boring. Yeah. They look like they've not been thought through as a, as an ensemble. And to me, the one that really stands out, and I think you, you know him as a, he's a wrestler, right? Preparation H, or what's his name? <laughs> I don't know. I'm literally can't remember. Triple H. Okay, Triple H. I keep, I refer to him as Atkins Chris Farley. <laughs> um, and he's the worst of a very bland bunch of vampire yeah, folks. He, yeah. That seem like well, they seem like they're like they're like central casting. Uh, and even when we get into the lab and we introduced, I mean, not the yeah, the but before are. that, I got some, ba- I yeah. got some big problems with exactly how inept David S. Goyer comes across as at the end of this rescue scene because they leave the building, the yeah. cops surround the building in theory. Mm-hmm. They decide to just run away. So the so you have like a hundred cops shooting at them, and of course they just miss, and they just go to their cars to the left of the building and drive away, and the cops just right. don't follow. It yeah. happens at the beginning of the movie too, where Blade gets into his car after he shoots the human, and just drives yeah. away. The cop and the helicopter just stay there on the body. No cops go chase the car. The helicopter doesn't follow the car. All cops in this movie just stop at the location of where it happened. And then Triple H, he does this weird thing, David S. Goyer, where he has Triple H running after them, but he does that speed up fast motion thing. But like for the sake of comedy. It looks like Benny Hill. <laughs> like like they use it in the Ice Pirates. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just just speed it up because it's funny. As Homer Simpson said, you know, people people like movies at double the speed because it's funny. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I, I I I hadn't hadn't necessarily noticed that, uh, but it's oh. uh, it's another black mark against the film. Well, the biggest black mark to me is. When we, when we finally get the Scooby gang back and we introduce the Scooby gang, at some point, Ryan Reynolds is going to talk about where they found Dracula. Do you remember where they said he was, where he said he was? Uh, so, that, what, pre-Syria? 
So he said, Iraq. He said, right? Yeah. He said Iraq. But the beginning of the movie says they're in Syria. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I remember reading something that said at first they were going to do Iraq, and then they decided, I think because of the Too time this charged. movie was made, too politically oh, yeah. charged, so we'll make it Syria. But he left in a take in which a character says Iraq. Wow. That's fucking something else. That's that's a that's a whole load of, of ineptitude. That's yeah. right. Wow. Uh, Norman Reedus has been split into Patton Oswalt and Natasha Lynn. <laughs> Which, yeah. to be fair, is about right. I, I think if you merge those two together, you get Norman Reedus. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's really, I mean, you know, he. This is where we get to the quotable from the beginning of this episode, mm-hmm. and it's just amazing to me, like how how dead. There's a lot of talent. Well, how in this dead movie. on Blade's speech is about how this movie has got everything wrong with regards to style and casting, and that it's it's yeah. got the like the worst tendencies of a certain generation of filmmaker and fan. Mm-hmm. But he's saying it in the movie, <laughs> and he also says that they sound, you know, it's, they it sounds like rejects from a Saturday morning cartoon. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is the kids' cartoon version of Blade of this movie. In right. fact, there's there's a kids' cartoon. You probably don't know it, not having a small child in the house. Uh, PBS is Wildcrats. You know this show? No. The Crap Brothers, who are like nature guys they they have like a a superhero cartoon right and i could not help thinking of that like there's there's like press like that when you see the villains all together and when you see the allies all together it's like this is wildcrats this is what it's like Mm -hmm. this whole show um like more than any grown-up media i've ever seen (laughs) this is like an episode of pbs's wildcrats right uh, and well, you know what's funny is that, I mean, you said Scooby Gang and yeah. you know Batgirl, Rob. It's part of the same problem. It's all just Can't occurring to me now too that this movie, because all three of these movies are rated R, but this movie almost feels like the movie th- that they decided to try to make PG thirteen yeah. and make more accessible. Mm-hmm. Which is strange, considering it's rated R and like they didn't do that. But oh, and the amount of swearing in it as well. Yeah. Like, I think you'd probably get away with this as a PG thirteen movie if it didn't have so much swearing in it. Right. Like exactly. Deadpool levels of square of swearing. Um. Yeah. <laughs> it's. It's it's just it's fascinating, and here you know here we get. You know, there's a. They hand Blade a Dracula comic book. I know. And he throws it and away. And just with disdain, he throws it away. Like Right. Which, again, is sort of like. Dracula's fucking stupid. Shut up. <laughs> right. It's sort of like, so wait. So you're, you're a graphic novel adaptation doing a Dracula storyline. <laughs> and you're embarrassed both about being a Dracula movie and, <laughs> a, and about being part of a graphic novel cycle. Yeah. Should you be the people... You're probably not the bright people to make this movie. 
Uh, but here we find out that it's it's it. You know, now they call him Drake. Drake. Um. Which again is and like literally it's trying to the, re- the 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 focal point, like the 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 vampire that started vampires. Yeah. They decide to <laughs> to cast Dominic Purcell, who, like I stated earlier, I mean, he looks like an Ed Hardy nightmare. Hmm. Except but, when he's like, dressed the, like Skeletor in Masters of the Universe. You, you know, no one forced them to go down the Dracula route. Right. That was their choice. I know. And now, <laughs> but they seem nothing but wary of aligning themselves with Dracula fiction. Um, it's... Including like who they cast and how they dress him. Yeah, and he does. He does not present himself as a formidable foe. But he it's looks really, ridiculous. Like, one, like they're constantly trying to distance themselves from from you know Dracula mythology. At one point, say nobody really knows the specifics of his origins. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I think Bram Stoker would disagree with you there. <laughs> I seem to remember he wrote a whole book about Dracula's origins. <laughs> um, and uh, what the other and what showed me that that they have a fundamental misunderstanding of what Dracula is in fiction. I think it's Ryan Reynolds who says, you know, there's there's uh, again shitting on Dracula movies. Right. Says uh, there's no happy ending with this guy. <laughs> like happy endings are not. Part it's not really Dracula part of the <laughs> format of the canon. Okay? It's like, yeah, he gets, you know, it's sort of like stake through the heart. He burns down. Some people don't die. It's not happy ending. <laughs> I mean, like, why, why would you make that distinction? Oh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and and I mean, to your point about about like. It it doesn't, it makes no attempt to build on the Dracula archetype that we know or do anything interesting right. with it. You know, in the last movie we had vampire goes into a blood bank. Here we have Dracula goes into a goth store. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is both, which is too specific on either end mm-hmm. as a joke. And then you know he he goes and he looks at all the fake teeth and the by the way the fake teeth that apparently fooled Blade at the beginning of this movie right um, and all the Dracula stuff and it's like uh, what's your point here? That's the thing is that if, they don't if, have if a Dracula, point. If Dracula came back and he was all commercialized, like yeah, 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 okay. they don't they don't have a point. And this movie is so much. <laughs> The funny thing is that this movie seems to make a deliberate choice to have more style over substance, except the style sucks. Yeah, I, I, it's it's really interesting. I mean, to you me mentioned you mentioned Dracula uh, throwing that real baby. When throwing he, the real baby. When yeah. he throws the real baby. My note. My note is that <laughs> that blade must say to himself. I always do a flip when I save a baby. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's like flipping through the air. Yeah. Doing a somersault midair to save the baby. Yeah. Is that necessary? Like, no. David S. Goyer just thinks it looks cool. Right. And also, speaking about style over substance, they, they go they go on the attack after 
you know, Hammer Dracula movies. Yeah. But there's a line in this movie that reads, we need Dracula's blood. Yeah. <laughs> which sounds like a title of a late Hammer horror sure. uh, Dracula adaptation. So don't tell me you're different <laughs> when you have lines like that in your movie. <laughs> That's great. You chose, you chose this path. And this, this, you know, it's the path you, you've gone down. Um, Patton Oswalt plays a fanboy scientist. Yep. Uh, which, again, something I never need to see again in a movie. <laughs> right? We don't, we, like, it's really, but it's really interesting. Like, this is the beginning, isn't it? Of, like, characters in franchise movies, there has to be, like, some representation of the fandom in there as a character. Yeah. And you and you go you go a cut you go a couple of years back to Blade Two, and you know the equivalent here is Scud, and Scud is just a guy who right. fixes things. Yeah, it's like that's all you need. That's right? all you it's want. Like, <laughs> that's all you want. It's like I don't need him to have any relationship to the public perception no. of Blade. Yeah. You know, it's like keep the fandom outside the movie, <laughs> and we'll <laughs> all be perfect. happy. All right, let's take another break. All right. And we'll come back. We'll finish up Mm -hmm. this sloppy mess of a third act of a movie. (laughs) All right, everyone. We'll be right back. If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer, or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of 3rd Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar, and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place, and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company, so will you. They turned me on to pour over, and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world, they've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. You heard me. Coffee tails. And we're just getting started. Bottle service on craft beer and wine, alcoholic and caffeinated potions, an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. All served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brew Bar. It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea. And if you go, you might even see me. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here finishing up with Blade Trinity. The lesser of the Blade movies. <laughs> <laughs> the lesser spotted Blade. Yeah, you know we've talked about we've be, you know comparing these movies to movies of their time, and mm. I think narratively we're right at the point where, like out of nowhere, all of a sudden this story goes into hey they're farming blood. <laughs> Yeah, and if which anything ever reminded interest... me of the Matrix, yes, it was this. I was like yeah. nonsense. My my exact note was that 
clearly this movie hasn't forgotten about the Matrix. It's got a fetish. But also Del, Del Toro must have remembered this when he did The Strain because there's the same they, they do a blood farm storyline on The Strain. Is that right? As well. So... Uh, and it's like again, there's some. He, 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 even retrospectively, he was able to mine the potential of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but but it goes back to what you know what we've been saying all along: the ineptitude of Goyer. Because mm. you have this. I mean, visually, it looks okay. It's interesting the way the which oh the blood farm yeah the blood farm looks the great, way the yeah. bodies are hung up and all of that. Uh huh. Like um, vacuum. Yeah, vacuum, vacuum sealed. sealed. <laughs> uh, They've all been sous vide. <laughs> but what I found amazing was that meat must be so tender. Yeah. So they, you know, they attack. <laughs> they attack some people outside. They bring the cop. For whatever reason, this cop familiar knows about the farms. Mm-hmm. And he bring they bring him inside, and I think they beat him up. But it looks like it's a completely empty factory of farms. There's no establishing <laughs> shot whatsoever. And all of a sudden, Blade just turns around, and there's like a tech woman at a computer. Yeah. And he says, shut it all down. Yeah. It's remarkably it's like, inept. <laughs> it, remi- it reminds me of that great scene from Ed Wood where, you know... <laughs> The, the 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 actor asks, "Where's the cockpit?" And it's like you're sitting in it. It's, it's that kind of. <laughs> right. I'm sure there was a similar conversation. It's like, when do we? When does the? When do we get to the blood farm? Oh no, right here. Oh yeah, just you, look this, up this, this console. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, but what about the rest of it? Nah, no one's gonna care about that. Everyone's gonna be looking at the blood. Yeah. No one's gonna be looking at what's behind it, except two guys on a podcast. We'll just have. Years we'll later. just have one one person. A, a scientist lady just sitting there, you know, she just sits with the bodies, you know, yeah. morning to night. Now, did did you did you pick up uh, speaking of like establishing shots? Did you pick up on it may be hard for you to remember because I assume you've seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you remember that Summerfield was was blind? I mean, did you did you clock that until she started reading Braille? No. No. I just thought she was wearing sunglasses inside, like you know, like a cool, person. like a cool person. That's what I thought. Or like what Larry David says, you know, the only people who wear shades inside, bald, uh, was it? Um, the only people who wear shades inside, blind people and assholes. That's it. <laughs> so I guess it's one of those two. Right. And we should have known. <laughs> but I was just like, oh, she's 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 blind. Well, and, now and not her just that, but it's like, and now her blindness means everything. Right. Because at one point, at one point, it's like she's manning the security cameras. They show her in front of the security screens, right? As the uh, you know all the vampires are attacking, and she just can't see. Yeah, well, it's like Ray, Ray Charles flying a plane. You know, right? It's like it's like good for him, but would you be a passenger? <laughs> um, so yeah, and I was just like, I was like, okay, so she's blind, and now she's being used as part of a CCTV-based plot point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't remember because all I knew was, I I couldn't remember. I, I well, I did remember. I, I, I in my mind, I was like, please tell me Ryan Reynolds is dead. And then I th- I thought, 
I, I really don't think no. he is. They, I, I believe they capture well, him. But for what purpose? They even want you to believe. They want you to believe that Whistler's still alive. For a second, when it's obvious that it's Dracula shapeshifting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And and also here's here's the the here's the level of ineptitude here. Dracula appearing as Whistler is not necessary because there's a blind person manning the security camera so he can just walk through as Dracula if he wants right. to. And the only person who who would who that would that would have any effect on is Abigail. <laughs> right. Who is not the person he kills. Right. Who has no contact with the with the Whistler version of Dracula. She's off with Blade. Right, and that was I was like I was like I thought at one point that Abigail was going to come back into the scene. She would be fooled into thinking Whistler was there. They'd have a scene between them. <laughs> that would be the drama. But no, she just finds Natasha Lynn's body. Yeah. So why is he reanimated? Why have we resurrected Whistler once again? <laughs> when you're not even doing the plot point that you could do with that, yeah. and the only one that makes sense. It's very, it's very strange. Um, well, to say the least. And and you know, then we get to the like Ryan Reynolds in captivity scene, which is just thirteen-year-old dialogue nonsense in a room full of idiots. Such nonsense. Um, I have a note here. How are we supposed to take anything seriously? Everything is a joke. Like yeah. literally, everything is a joke. There's no sense of every time Ryan Reynolds opens his mouth, he's com- comedically commenting on the action. <laughs> He does nothing. He's like he's like across between Rodney Dangerfield and Rick Ollier from The Phantom Menace. He's narrating <laughs> the movie in comedy. But like we said, with no comic timing. With no comic timing and and no material, like no good material either. Uh, and then the Scooby Gang's going to attack. One of my notes is because Triple H is in the room with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And then my my note is. When you hire a wrestler, wrestling things are going to happen. <laughs> I didn't even know he was a wrestler. That shows me how much rest, how much actual wrestling he's employed in this movie. Um there's there's I think in in you know one of the weirdest scenes in a in a movie full of weird scenes for me, which also makes me think that David S. Goy was enrolled in some kind of film director's class. <laughs> and like he got like he was he he understood what he needed to do but no one had given him the note that he needed to do it differently is where uh abigail just starts doing archery practice yeah on like a target board target that's it that's the whole scene right and it's it, again it's only it's only it's no better or worse than just watching archery <laughs> and I, also, you know, like I can just imagine show any particular skill because the arrows no. are kind of all <laughs> over true. the place. <laughs> it doesn't even do the 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 very minimal job it's supposed to do. But yeah. I can just imagine like like his teacher in the class sitting him down and saying, "Now I understand why you put this in here, because this is foreshadowing what's going to come up. But uh, you don't need to do that. Like we can just see it, or or you could do something with stakes." In this scene, right, like it's a live target or something. Like, this, I could just imagine. And he's like, "Yeah," he's and David S. going, "Yeah, I have no idea why I put that in there. 
Yeah, I mean, it strange. made sense. It made sense because it's the it next thing we're going to see. It made sense when I did it. Yeah. And I just liked the shot selection. I thought it looked really good. Yeah, but, but do you see the like, haphazard way all the arrows are in the target? It doesn't even show skill, David. I can't believe I was just, I was just like, for a few <laughs> minutes, I'm just watching archery. It's really weird. Uh, and then we get, like, this kind of... Suddenly the virus is a threat to Blade. So, Like out we, of nowhere, right. Yeah, we go from no stakes to uh, the stakes are higher than we thought. Because the solution to the narrative problem could also kill him. We don't know Which what's going to happen to you. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Drake seems to talk in John Lennon songs. <laughs> when he's talking to the little girl. <laughs> I know. Doesn't he say, imagine there's no God or something yeah. like that? Uh, well, I think he just says there is no God. I think he says, imagine there is no God. Really? I really think he does. <laughs> and also, you know, like, oh, so... For for a for a vampire movie, they've not even done the basic amount of research. It's like there's no without God, there's no vampires. That's like yeah, right. It's like that without sweet, there is no concept of salty. I mean, it's just, it's just <laughs> he, and for a movie that is kind of contending that he's some kind of atheist vampire, that only only vampires exist, and the rest of the world is just science. Mm-hmm. Um. Given that that's what they're plugging, he looks an awful lot like the devil when you see him in his natural form. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I, uh, my note was, he turns into his true form and gives horny toad headbutts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, they. I mean, they can't. And that fail. fight, by the way, is. Super anticlimactic. Again, yeah. Drake not doesn't live up to the billing as Dracula. Right. You know? And yeah, again, like all they've got in their arsenal of what's new with Dracula is that he flies now. It's the J.J. Mm-hmm. J. Abrams rule of when you're out of ideas, make him fly. <laughs> and that's that's what we have except you know i guess dracula can can by his very nature can fly he can turn into whatever the fuck he wants so right again if you know the mythology not a big deal mm-hmm. uh but this movie and also i mean <laughs> it's funny because i felt like i was given the impression by natasha leone that you stick dracula with this mm. and it was it wasn't going to be like COVID. It wasn't a virus that like he just kind of coughed out into the air. Yeah. To me, it was like all vampires in that moment were going to die. But yeah. by the end of this movie, it's like, well, no, just the vampires in the building. Right. Yeah. Who were exposed. Mm-hmm. So Blade still has a job. Hopefully. <laughs> but they made it seem like he was not going to have a job at the end of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when was um, when was X Men three or whatever that's called X Men the final last stand the the one with Kelsey Grammer and Vinnie Jones? I thought that was that wasn't number two. N- Vinnie Jones is not going. It's not in X Men two for God's sake. That movie had some self respect. You're right. You're right. Uh, I want to say two thousand six. Because 
wasn't that, I mean, that's one of the big... Crit- the Last kind Stand, of, I mean. Yeah. That was one of the kind of most criticized elements is that they un-X-Men them all. Yeah. So maybe they, maybe they just wanted to have it both ways. It's like, it's like, Blade, like you said, Blade can still have a job, but we take care of the, of the vampires right. at hand, but we don't destroy all the vampires. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It does make it sound like that. Um... What do you think? I mean, we see the double vampires again in the shape of a small dog. Yeah. Um, and two big is... dogs. And then two big dogs. Yeah, why? Why You've already revealed the true evil of small dogs. Why do we have to stereotype <laughs> Rottweilers into the mix? I know, right? <laughs> I just fucking hate this. Uh... And yeah, so like the title, like the title sequence, we get way too much intercutting between what Ryan Reynolds is doing in his comedy action extravaganza and Blade versus Dracula. That neither sequence well, can survive on its own. Yeah, the movie seems to kind of. By the know, way, it's, Blade it's, versus it's... Dracula is the movie they want to make. They just think they're above it. Yeah, exactly. The movie kind of sets it up like it's almost Silverado. Mm. Where everybody has to take on their their foe at the end, yeah. Except Brian Reynolds ends up taking on both Triple H and Parker Posey, mm-hmm. while Jessica Biel is just randomly shooting, ra- you know, randos. By the way, Blade by the way, it's on... not, we're not we're not skipping over what Jessica Biel has done in this movie. Literally, no. the last thing yeah. we said about her, her entrance, is the last thing she did. Yeah. Uh, entrance <laughs> archery this. <laughs> there is no place for her in this movie. Yeah. Um, we're not missing which is, anything which out. Is, which, again, shows such ineptitude, because she has to be the new Whistler, because she's a Whistler. Right. Fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. But, and then, but uh, they try yeah, to make but, up for it by, like, she has to shoot the arrow that goes into him, but she doesn't even do that right. <laughs> After all that practice, she should have yeah. She should have maybe, you know, used something saw her that coming was less a mile easy away. to hit. Luckily, he dropped it right next to Blade. Right. They really think that skeletal armor looks good, don't they? They do. And it looks like a sub- Frank Gen- Langella Skeletor is what it looks like. <laughs> and then they uh, have this platitude, this stupid platitude where Drake is telling, you know, Blade that he's an honorable warrior. Ugh. Right, which again is like, you know, like they again, for a movie that that, that is uh, resistant to being to aligning itself with the Dracula cycle is definitely a trait of the Dracula cycle that at some point he becomes an honorable anti-hero figure a la Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Um, First of all, you need a better actor to do that. Much. Second of all, it's kind of meaningless in the context of the story coming this late. Yeah. Um, I also think, like, just to add insult... No, just to add... Injury to insult to injury. Right, yeah. Uh, times a million. Um, we do like a CSI style yeah. virus going into the blood. And I'm just like, 
they're literally doing that because that's what you do at this time in TV. <laughs> in TV and film, In TV right. medical shows. That's literally it. Uh, and again, it just cheapens the the movie. It makes it look like a TV movie or, a, you know, a TV procedure. Yeah, but the whole movie looks cheap anyway. So at this point, in the last two minutes of the film, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Why the fuck does that cityscape look so fake? I know. Could we not just have filmed a city? Right. <laughs> Is it all, like, computer-generated? It looks like it. If you're going to do that kind of pan across a landscape, why wouldn't you use real buildings? Or just don't do that shot, do something else. And and Drake, I assume, became half-naked Blade to allow Blade some time to get away from yeah, the that cops? Yeah, that was his... That's his uh, last gift? That's his gift, yes. Um, Doesn't seem like a gift kind of a guy. No, and when you need a Ryan Reynolds voiceover to tell us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and why it, are we listening to Ryan Reynolds throughout this movie? Why are we not well, listening not throughout to Throughout this movie, only at the beginning and the end. That's true. But it's still. It's one of those. I didn't even think we were going to get to the end. Fuck's sake. Uh. Yeah, he's the he's the he's the narrator. I'm, I've saw I've seen a draft of the script where it was Abigail who was narrating the movie, which makes way more sense. Way more sense, but also, you but know. also bad. <laughs> Just let Blade do it. Let Blade do it, or you know, don't do it all in dialogue. <laughs> um, they uh. We get the ending of the movie is another sort of bullshit Terminator style. Let's keep our sequel options open ending, mm-hmm. isn't it? Something like I can't remember the exact wording, but it's like the war raves the... on or whatever. Whatever. Everyone <laughs> what knows is... the war doesn't end, is what he says. No, they actually say that. Yeah, that's basically what they say at the end of Terminator Salvation. Yeah, everyone knows the war the doesn't war... <laughs> end. Christian Bale's the war raises on, but. The biggest problem with that is I kept saying to myself, I thought the war was supposed to end. I thought killing him killed all the vampires. But that that made me really prefer that weird comic button at the end of the last movie. It's like, that's my, you know, <laughs> at least that resolves something. Right. You know? Um, and then, you know, the, like the titles were televisual. My God, the credits are even worse. <laughs> the credits look like an end of a soap opera. And then it keeps breaking. Well, I guess we're into credit check there, so I should pause and ask. By all means, if there's any more to to add from you, from you about the movie. No. <laughs> Are you sure? I'm sure. Um. I'm fine. So we get like. Except the... that this movie's frustrating. It's very frustrating. It's a frustrating movie to watch. It is. It because. Is. As we've said many times, you know, when when you go and see any movie, you wanna you wanna feel like you're in good hands. And you never yes. feel like that watching this movie. Not for a second. It's really interesting because uh, you know, like Dave David S. Goyer is this kind of enigma that you don't quite know what he brings to a project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's 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 not always good, um, and it's really interesting that like a lot of the problems in this movie, he sort of shipped out 
to DC. Yeah. Let DC stumble with it. Where, where, but then Mar and then Marvel without his influence just kind of fucking goes from strength to strength. Right, it's really interesting. <laughs> and it, and it, you know it's like it's it's like certain people came along and so, well uh, certain people I mean John Favreau because that's who always solves these problems. Right, uh, came along and were like, oh no, this is how you do it. Yeah, we've it so, have I've to solved be that all hard. these problems, and then and they were like, <laughs> and then they've been making the same movie for like. 15 years right based on this one template but here you've got like the raw materials without any of the the massaging you need to put them in the right see but there's an order. extra component to it that's interesting to me because you cannot assail like you know the the batman the nolan batmans are thought of in such high regard yeah that uh, you know. Well, again, it's the same thing as Blade, isn't it? First two movie. I mean, for us, not for everyone. Anyone well, that's what I mean. Like, I we're we're the minority. I've yeah. said this to other people since we've done our 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 Nolan Batman's Batman series. Yeah. And, and I tell people go back and watch that movie. Mm. I, yeah, we've had. I we've was had afraid some... to say that it's not good, and it's yeah. not good. There and was they, some, were, um, they they thought I was full of shit. Well, there are some unpleasant YouTube comments uh, that speak to that on uh, <laughs> on, a, on that on that Dark Knight Rises episode, which I won't share. On I, w- I won't I won't give that the the uh, the oxygen of publicity. All right. Um, but uh, but yeah, but it, it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? The first two movies, you know, it it reaches a peak, and then the third movie kind of destroys itself. Yeah. Um. I mean, this is a way worse movie. This than is Dark a way. Right? I was just gonna say, this is so much worse than. But it's just intri- You know, like I, I, I like to try and figure out what you know, what, what, what is goyerizing. Yeah, exactly. In cinema, and and part of it is like, you know, you you've sort of, you've made all the ingredients work together, and then you forgot the recipe. Right. That seems to be a big part of it of his method. Interesting. Um, it's how you end up with Batman versus Superman and all that nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. Well, I'll go in the credit check. Yeah, then. credit check us. Um, do you think these are actual images from the comics, or just made to look like they they are? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, <laughs> poten- potentially, my my suspicion is that these are not actual images from the comics. I don't think so. It's like they've just done like a aha take on me kind of version yeah. of the movie. Um, something I noticed that you that we see in like every movie since every big uh, like franchise movie since no one effects house did more than one sequence. Yeah, right. And so this is like this is the beginnings of completely contrary special effects. <laughs> like one movie doesn't have one movie has a, a you know a myriad of different effects. Well, one no one looks like the other, right? And that's very, that's very clear here. Although there is a general air of shitness about them, um, <laughs> that links them all together. Uh, RZA did the soundtrack. Yeah, I saw that actually. Which is sort of interesting. I think there's a lot of road testing of Kill Bill here. Mm. Um. Particularly, there's that one kind of Velvet Underground remix it does when Dracula in his uh, low-cut 
t-shirt is and leather leather coat is walking through a time-lapse street <laughs> and, right and then the music is um uh shiny but what's the song uh king uh, shiny boots kinky boots remixed you're asking the wrong guy okay <laughs> but anyway, you know, like some good people involved on the music side of this this movie as well. I but... get excited when you say things about music and I recognize it. <laughs> Cuz it doesn't happen often. Uh After the credits have rolled, the word word what comes up, yeah. Just says <laughs> word. So instead of ending on like a solid joke, <laughs> or, you know, something profound. They decided to end on a piece of slang that dates the movie horribly. Like, and might I, as well I kept put, saying like, to myself, is is this what they're going for? Are they going for the slang? Are they going for word? Yeah. Well, what else could it Man. mean? Um, That's I mean, up there with... They might as well uh, have just put, like, cowabunga or something like that, right? <laughs> for all it yes. matters. It'll date as badly... <laughs> Uh, yeah, because oh, to me do... that was that was like uh, evil Jack Frost level nonsense. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't believe it. But that's not the it's end. My last note: word question mark. What the well, fuck? Well, beyond that, we have a we have the you know like a a, a nod to the post credit sting, which will be in every Marvel movie since. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, I don't know if I'm missing something, but there is no content or information. Here. No. It's just him driving in a car. Just driving. So <laughs> you can see that you, I mean, you can see that they might want to start doing that. Uh, but they haven't figured out that it's a place to drop new information. Right. They just, they see it as like, I don't know. Maybe that's what I think. Those... It's literally to convince the audience, "Hey, don't worry. He still has work to do. All the vampires aren't dead." But we already saw that he was already like driving away on his I bike. Know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's your fault. You didn't make this movie. It's your fault. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad I'm not missing something. Like I don't know. So, oh, he's got different shades, and that means that you know, right. Joey Badonga's gonna be in the next movie or you know <laughs> yeah but like but also to like see where that tradition has gone since then you know where it's like it's like someone brand new comes in and tells you what's gonna be in the next movie or what's gonna be in a TV series that you have to watch on right. Disney plus or something like like it's it's like that's like that's big real estate now, and here it is really just a do 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 driving around. So it's like it's weird to me that they figured out that they want to do this, but have no content. But to not put how. In there. Yeah. <laughs> they should have just Ferris Bueller'd it for all it matters. It should have that's just been great. Blake going, "Go the fuck home." Actually, that how fucking great would have that been? <laughs> if he just came, if he just got out, he was like in his pajamas, <laughs> wakes up and just goes, go the fuck home. Oh, that's amazing. That's all, all right. That's it. That I think that's all that's fit to print, my friend. We did it. Well, I wasn't even fit to print. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> you got me there. All right.
Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think of Blade Trinity? Are you on our side or are you an unabashed fan? Find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter to let us know. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. We will read it on air. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. When you hear us next, we'll be pitching sequels. Say goodbye, Tom. Coochie coo. <laughs> you know, I'm, 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 I'm embarrassed for Wesley Snipes that he had to do that. Yes. But given that he probably had no choice but to do that, because it's a movie full of jokes, that he was going to have to do one. I'm really glad that that was the one okay. he had to do because he he sort of nails the delivery on that. He 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 does the best he can with it for sure. And I th- he's like that's uh, we after didn't talk- his flip. Yeah, we we didn't talk about it, but I, I, he comes out. He still comes out glowing in in this uh, yeah. movie. Like no aspect of his characterization is affected by this movie, which yeah. is saying something. He's the one thing that isn't bad. This movie, because this well, movie him and wants... Chris Christopherson, but sadly they kill him. Yeah, this this movie wants to rip him apart conceptually, mm-hmm. and he's just not. And they can't. They can't do they it. They can't do it. No, you're right. All right. Well, stay tuned, everyone. We got sequels. We're gonna be pitching coming at you next. <laughs> we got sequels. It's like a, the op- it's like the opening number of our musical. Yeah. Of everything sequel. We got sequels. We got sequels. Ripe strawberries, ripe. <laughs> All right.